Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Real Estate Podcast, the intersection between the latest trends in real estate and its impact on our everyday lives. We're your hosts, Alex Norman. And Jamie Blonde, and you've come to the right location. The real estate starts now. In today's episode, lights, camera, action, we explore the intersection between real estate and entertainers. Our guest, Elise Kenny, is an accomplished actress, comedian, writer, and Emmy-winning television producer. She has performed in premier comedy clubs across the country and was a finalist in the 2021 Ladies of Laughter competition and created Gotham Comedy Club's successful fundraising program, It's a Charity Thing. She also wrote, produced, and starred in Happily Ever Alley, an original award-winning half-hour comedy pilot for TV. In addition to all that, Elise is also a real estate agent with Compass New York with a specialty on the Upper West Side. Elise, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Elise. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you guys so much. So tell us a bit about yourself. Well, um, yeah, I'm living on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, and I am an actress, a comedian, everything you said, writer and real estate agent, kind of like balancing... Um, wearing a lot of different hats. And I'm from New Jersey originally, northern New Jersey. Uh, but I've been living in the city for over a decade now. And um, yeah, it's just been a really fun, uh, adventurous journey. So you're a fellow Jersey uh, person. So love to hear that. So tell us, yeah. what, uh, which came first, your love for real estate or your love for entertainment? Well, you know, I, I've kind of been acting since I was like nine years old. My parents sent me off to camp when I was little, and I kind of discovered being on stage by being in the plays uh, when I was young. And I just fell in love with the camaraderie that you have with the cast and kind of the energy and the excitement of working uh, like kind of like on a team with uh, creative people. Real estate actually came later. So, so when you were young and uh, and when you were starting out in comedy, who were your influences or who do, or who do you follow? Who 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 did you watch and think, wow, if I could only be that good, you know? Oh gosh, well definitely. I mean, as a little girl, like Joan Rivers was was the queen. <laughs> you know, I my parents would take us um, on little trips, and I think she was performing once in this resort that we were staying at when I was very young. And I, I just was so in awe of how quick and sharp witted she was. And then also like growing up, you know, they had the Carol Burnett show and reruns. And I just loved all the character work that Carol Burnett did and Gilda Radner on SNL. Um, and then when I got older, you know, Seinfeld is a huge favorite of mine, just that comedic sensibility uh, and curb your enthusiasm with Larry David. So those are kind of like a lot of my influences. So comedy is such a wide ranging field and there's different types of comedy. I mean, there's one thing about just telling jokes, one thing telling stories. Which, which, which area of comedy do you feel the most comfortable in? Um, yeah, I mean, great question. You know, I really do enjoy stand-up. I kind of um, rediscovered my love for it actually during COVID because we couldn't perform live. Uh, and I was contacted by a booker who was booking me a lot to do live shows before we were on lockdown. And he was booking me to do Zoom shows. 
And at first I was very reluctant. I didn't want to do a Zoom show. I was like, I knew, you know, it would be awkward. There'd be a delay. Maybe you couldn't even hear people laughing because they would be on mute. Um, but I agreed to give it a try. And it ended up being something that I really enjoyed because, I mean, first of all, I felt like I was providing a service because he was booking me to perform for companies that, you know, had employees they hadn't been able to connect or see each other for a year and they, they just needed some comic relief or somebody's birthday and they couldn't see their closest friends and they would put together this big Zoom show and have me be the comedian. And it was just a way of me um, helping people stay healthy and having some laughter. And so, and I also wrote a lot of new material while we were on lockdown. So it's something that I feel really comfortable doing now. Um, I just was booked in Florida. I had to go do like my first half hour special that was taped for uh, television. And so it helped me develop as a performer. You go from, from in front of the camera to behind the camera. It's a, it's a huge shift. What's that like? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, again, it's very different. Um, you know, when I... I wrote the, my, my pilot, Happily Ever Alley, in an effort to really have more control over my career and not just be auditioning for other people's projects. And so because it was mine, I ended up, you know, producing it as well. And um, so I had to wear a lot of hats, but I enjoyed that because I had my hand in so much of the creative process, you know, what was going to what was going to be the look of the of my show? What was going to be the tone? Um, you know, really heavily involved with casting of the characters, um, choosing the music. We actually had one of the composers from Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Mark Berman. He's super talented. He composed music for my pilot because I was a friend of his. Um, and, you know, it was just such a cool process of really being involved with color correction, being involved with doing the sound mix, um, editing, huge. I sat for hours and hours and hours with the editor. And I just love that because I was in control. <laughs> like I was editing my own footage. Um, well, it's interesting you say that because I think that's the overlap of being a stand-up comedian because when you're a stand-up comedian, you are in control. It's your show. You wrote it. You produce it. You perform it. And you almost, you, you're going to have the audience in the palm of your hand. So I can see that love of control would translate into the next project. You made an interesting comment about COVID. So interesting that they had you, you doing Zoom uh, stand up. Um, how, how, how easy was it to adapt to that when you don't have the audience reacting in real time right in front of you, when you know what's landing and what's not landing, when you write new material, and you don't have that instant feedback? How did, how did you handle all that? Right. Well, I deliberately, when I would do a Zoom show, first, I would speak with the person ahead of time that was putting the show together. And I would say, look, it's really important that people are unmuted unless they have a dog barking or a baby crying in the background. And it's something that I need you to set up when you introduce me. Um, you need to tell everyone, please unmute and don't be afraid to laugh. Like this is the place to laugh, you know, have fun. And um so a lot of these Zoom shows that I did, I was able to get the feedback. I was able to hear people laughing. But then every once in a while, you get into a situation where, for whatever reason, like the host might say it, oh, everybody unmute, and then like only one person unmuted. <laughs> or there's older people in the crowd, and they don't even know how to unmute. You know, they, they can't figure out the computer. I mean, it's like hilarious. 
So, you know, in that, in that respect, you just keep going. I mean, you do it, you pause, you make sure, you know, you're giving people time to laugh and you might not hear them, uh, but you know, you trust that they are. So Elise, let me ask you this question. You're in New York City. Uh, obviously, I think there's more comedy in New York than anywhere in the country, certainly more than LA. When I was uh, spending time in New York and LA going back and forth, people say you should be in New York for theater or maybe some TV, you should be in LA for movies. You're transitioning from stand-up to, to producing uh, award-winning TV series. Um, what, 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 what decision process got you involved in deciding to be in New York or versus LA or how, do, how does that career geography play out for you? Yeah, well, I lived in L.A. actually for 10 years, so I went out there right out of college and I did kind of say, you know, I did the L.A. thing. I loved I loved it when I was there, um, you know, because you can kind of go hiking all year round and the weather is amazing, of course. And it was exciting, you know, at the time to be living in L.A. because I was a Jersey girl. You know, I grew up in the suburbs of New Jersey and I just loved being out on my own in Los Angeles. And I had great opportunities when I was there. You know, I did a lot of theater and I was even doing stand up at the beginning there. And I did some commercial work. And um, but then, you know, it's just like anything, you know, you feel like it ran its course. And I wanted a change. I didn't want to just stay out there forever. My family's all here. They missed me. And so I just decided one day, you know what? Um, the driving was a bit much for me because it's you have to drive everywhere, as I think, you know, if you've been to L.A. or it's really intense. It's a lot of traffic. And I think that was a lot of the, you know, part of my decision was I just I can't be in this car anymore. I need to be on foot. I need to I like to run around. I'd like to move. I'm very physical. You know, I want to run around the city and go from audition to audition instead of being in my car for two to three hours to get, you know, from the Valley to Santa Monica. Yeah. You do not want to, you do not want to be crossing the 405 during the day. And Alex, you've got experience with that. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that um, because when you're talking about additions and your talent uh, for, for entertainment, you know, it sounds like you were born for that, right? You started your career in entertainment at age of nine. It's not like everyone, um, who's in real estate was born to sell real estate. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can sell your Barbie house. I mean, yeah, but like, I think there, so there's, there's gotta be some similarities, right? Because real estate's a pretty much real estate sales in particular is a, it's a pretty high touch business and it's about relationships. It's about personal uh, in interactions with humans um, everywhere, basically. What are the things that, 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 that you've picked up in your entertainment side that have helped you most on the real estate side? Oh, yeah. Great question. I mean, it's and I definitely noticed that when I started working in real estate, how similar it was to the entertainment industry. I mean, because like you said, real estate is all about relationships and it's about connecting with people. And so is entertainment. You know, so entertainment is about building relationships and especially the craft of stand up comedy. You really have to connect. You really have to read your audience. Just like in real estate, you have to know your buyer. And I think one of the biggest parallels is being a good listener. As an actor, you know, you can't just be thinking of your next line. You have to really listen and take in uh, what your scene partner is saying in a scene and be spontaneous and be in the moment. And I think that's what makes the best real estate agents is 
real estate agents that really listen to what their clients want. And then you process that and you just don't stop before you find you know what they're looking for. So, so that's a little bit of a it's a little bit of an improv, right? I guess you're kind of kind of moving and learning and shaking a little bit. Um, I would imagine that uh, if your client laughs, that's not necessarily a buy sign. <laughs> Not a buy sign. It's like, okay, I, I this is this deal is done. Uh, they're mm-hmm. laughing. You know, not like you're in the stand-up, right? You're in a show and you're and you're doing a bit, and then people are laughing. You're like, okay, that was a success. I mean, obviously, you have to. It, it's more than just a showing in 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 your business. You have to close, and it gets. I mean, the business of real estate is is pretty serious. So you have to balance the 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 you know the the difference between being personal, being interesting, being entertaining with being informative, being insightful at the same time also being diligent and so, so there's a lot of dynamics uh, that you need to that you need to flex between in order to be successful in real estate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the one thing that I noticed too, I mean there's kind of a similarity between auditions um and showings, <laughs> you know, because you, you kind of like get one shot, you know, with a showing and you want to put your best foot forward. But the thing that I like about real estate is you get feedback. Whereas with acting, like Jamie, you could probably attest to this when you go on an audition, especially for a commercial audition, you know, they're seeing a lot of people. You don't get any feedback until your agent calls you a couple weeks later, maybe, and says that you're booked. Or, or doesn't, on, right? <laughs> or you're not booked. So you're put on first refusal. You're put on hold. Then you're like, okay, cool. I'm in the ballpark. There, they may be. I may be what they were looking for for this one. They're considering you. Um, but I like the feedback that you can get from a buyer in real estate right away. I show somebody a unit and we walk out and I say, so what did you think? What did you like? What did you not like? What's a deal breaker? What's going to work for you? But like never, ever after I auditioned for a casting director, am I going to go, so are you going to book me? <laughs> what do you think of my audition? It's, it's, so, it's so funny you say all that, you know, because it's so true. There's no feedback. And when, and I, I, when I first started going to auditions, every once in a while, someone would say, okay, can you try it this way? And at the beginning, I thought, oh, my God, I was so bad. He's trying to correct me. But the truth is, if they want you to do it a second or third time, that's a positive. They're looking. They saw something. And they're looking if there's what, what else is behind there. So, yeah, it's, it's, I've, I found it nerve-wracking. I, I hated auditions. Hated <laughs> Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I've heard that, um, you know, when they're giving you directions, sometimes they don't really even want you to do it the four or five ways that they asked you to do it, but they want to see that you can take direction and then also be able to do that on set. So like I just booked a commercial for Simply Safe and I actually went to Boston to shoot this and it was fun. Like it's great to have an improv background because the director literally was like, okay, now do it this way. Okay. Now do it this way. Okay. Now just improvise your own line here. Okay. Do whatever you want here. And you, as an actor, like that's your job. Like you have to be prepared with like five to 10 different ways of doing one line or getting one message across because they, they expect you to kind of come with that. So it's interesting. So you're in New York and you focus on the Upper West Side. And I can, I can imagine that I know a lot of sitcoms uh, about New York City are in the Upper West Side for some strange reason, or I guess, in, or I guess in Queens, which I mean, I mean, not the same, but still. Uh, and so, you probably have a few good stories around 
what it's like both living in the Upper West Side, obviously, is in the real estate in the Upper West Side. I mean, there's got to be some some funny things. I mean, I know that being being from Jersey, living in Florida, but having lived most of my life in New York, most of my drama, uh, of course, my life has been related to my apartment for some reason. So I feel like there's <laughs> a lot of really interesting stories that you might have come across that may have even landed in some of your material. Oh, Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, a couple things. Um, one thing I've noticed kind of across the board, and I don't even know if it's an Upper West Side thing um, or it's just universal with real estate, but, you know, I'll show buyers uh, a whole bunch of units. We'll look at a lot and they'll really find that they love everything about a unit except one thing there's always that one thing that they don't like and then they're like now we're gonna pass or it's too close to the street we're gonna pass and i you know i was thinking about this uh and i date so i'm thinking gosh you know what this is a lot like dating because because you may meet someone and they they're great in every way you know but there's one thing that can be a deal breaker. Okay. So it could be like, Oh, you know, they're, uh, I'll, I'll meet somebody and they're, they're really kind and great sense of humor, very attractive, but they live with their mother. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> I'll say to people, gosh, why are you going to pass? You know, um, why don't you just make some renovations? So it's like, you know, if I meet this guy and, you know, everything's great, but he lives with his mother, I'm like, oh, what? You don't think I could, you know, find his mom a condo in Boca? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny because it's it's, you say that because one person's dump is another person's dream house. Right. And I think, you know, when you and, and or dream boat in your case. So the the when you've got a great apartment, which. Um, in a lot of cases is quite rare. I mean, it's a per- there's no such thing as a perfect apartment in New York City. You're right. always uh, compromising something, it feels like, right? And I guess to your point, it's always, it, it's, a, it's kind of similar to dating because there's always going to be something wrong with, with someone. And I feel like in New York, um, we're always compromising and always finding excuses for one thing or the other. I mean, I don't think that anyone outside of New York would really want a great apartment that faces a wall. But yet in New York, that's a thing. And people are lining up literally with checks in hand to, to jump on that. So, you know, is it is New York a dynamic that that is just an anomaly? Is it something that is that is just New York is in New York is New York? Or is this kind of thing um, typical in the in the industry? Well, I mean, I just think New Yorkers have a very high standard. <laughs> You know, we, you know, we're exposed to a lot culturally with entertainment, you know, just with all that's at your fingertips in the city, conveniences of life. And, you know, people just want to have it all. You know, we don't want to settle, especially since we're also paying top dollar. You know, it's one of the most expensive markets in the country, if not. So, you know, people want to feels if they're getting the best value and they don't want to compromise a lot of the time so you're absolutely right i think there was an article came out this week that said new york finally passed san francisco for the highest average rent of any city in the country is that right the most expensive yeah the most expensive real estate 
Um, I, what I always found interesting about New York or LA or anywhere else is that for some reason, people want to pay a premium if some celebrity had lived or died previously in that apartment, as if, as if, if you go and buy the apartment that Tom Cruise used to live in, somehow you are <laughs> going to become Tom Cruise or you're going to be famous. I, I never understood that. Do you, do you see a lot of that or do you use that? Or how does that play out in New York? Yeah, I mean, you know, probably the best example along the Upper West Side, the most famous is the Dakota, of course. And so it's a novelty, and you know, because people know that John Lennon, you know, was shot right outside the building. And many, many celebrities live there. Lauren Bacall lived there, Rosemary Clooney, Gilda Radner. I mean, there's a long laundry list of famous people that lived at the Dakota. I think some people are going to want to live there just because of the history and the stories. Um, I was also showing, uh, I had a listing last month in the um, London Terrace. And, you know, I, I know that... Um, Actually, speaking of Tom Cruise, his ex-wife, uh, you know, the beautiful actress, uh, Nicole Kidman. Oh, Nicole Kidman. Kidman. Yeah. Well, he's had, he's had two, right? He's had three wives. Hasn't, he's had three wives. Hasn't Probably, he? yeah. And, and she's least. had a few husbands, too, might I add. <laughs> At least. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I, of course, when I was showing the unit, I said, you know, Nicole Kidman used to live here. <laughs> so you could you could be like her. Yeah. Well, there's there 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 actually there was actually. It was Eyes Wide Shut, and it was also uh, Vanilla Sky, right? Remember was that, it? Remember that movie where, where, where Tom, uh, Tom Cruise lived in the Upper West Side, got into an accident, and you were probably, you were probably not one of the five people that saw that film. <laughs> I saw that film. <laughs> I don't think I did see that film. At least you're becoming a celebrity. You're becoming very successful in the entertainment industry. Does that help your business in real estate? Has anyone ever recognized you or said, oh, my God, I was at a show. I saw you on stage. You were great. Does that help? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of like uh, outside of it. Like, I don't really, I, you know, I, I, I don't really... Um, focus on that much. I mean, it's it's an interesting dynamic to kind of sometimes I struggle with like, do I combine the two? Do I let people know that I'm an actress and a comic or do I not? Do I keep it separate? And again, it's about knowing your buyer. It's about knowing your clients. And I kind of feel it out. And sometimes I feel as if ah, this person's really fun and laid back and they they maybe would, you know, not hold it against me that I also have something else going on in my life. And then there's other people that maybe like are more serious and maybe they wouldn't embrace the fact that I'm doing anything else except for real estate. So, you know, it just depends. But I do combine the two when, like to answer your question in terms of um, Compass, they wanted to do some really fun events for uh, agents, especially at, towards the end of us, you know, coming out of lockdown where we could be going out more. And they asked me to produce some stand-up comedy shows for Compass agents. And I was doing that for um, the past, like, you know, four or five months for them once a month at Stand Up New York. And it was amazing. And everybody had a great time. And then so some of those agents are like, then when I would see them out in the field, they're like, oh, yeah, I was at the show. And it was great. And, you know, it was so much fun. And so in that respect, you know, sometimes then I'm putting it out there that I'm that I'm a comedian. And then I'm also a real estate agent. Well, that just makes you more interesting. 
right? I mean, I think that there, we've come to a point in time where um, maybe 10, 20 years ago, or maybe anywhere outside of New York City or San Francisco, for that matter, people look at the second career or second job or second passion as a problem. Like, oh, my God, you have two jobs. I mean, you need money. And so I think, but in, in markets like New York and San Francisco, maybe even to a certain extent, Los Angeles, um, having more interests make you more interesting, make you more versatile. And they're actually badges of, of, of respect and honor when you can do more than one thing at one or any given time. So I think that that perception is amazing. And I think that what you're doing it, you know, is fantastic, particularly when it comes to just being, um, just bringing a sense of humor uh, and lightheartedness to, to a, a, a seemingly very boring, to a certain extent, business. I think we're always trying to find something interesting to, uh, I mean, we're in the business of talking about real estate. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, it, it gets boring. I mean, it does. It just doesn't. Sometimes it's not interesting, and so I think what you bring to the, the game is, is fantastic. And I, I, I always look at. I believe a friend of mine not so long ago um, telling me about how she wanted to get into a rent control department and told me that, you know, this little old lady had passed away and she got the tip from a hospice nurse and <laughs> she was moving in by the end of the month. And I mean, wow. these, are, these are some of the things that are like unbelievable in real estate for me that says, wow. If you want to move into to an apartment where someone has just passed away, go right ahead. But I think everywhere else, people would think about probably not because it's probably going to be haunted or whatever. Um, but only in New York, right? I think there's only in New York can you look at things um, differently. Only in New York um, does this humor translate into um, wonderful opportunities, both for connections and perhaps for work. So what you're doing is fantastic. Thank you. Well, to what you're saying, you know, I feel really grateful to be in an industry that I feel like for the most part does embrace an artist, uh, an actress, you know, a creator. Um, for example, I really heard wonderful things about Compass right after I got my real estate license. I interviewed with like eight different brokerages and everyone's talking about Compass, Compass. They're, you know, they're very high tech and they're kind of like the new shiny object on the block and people want to work with them. And they're like, but they don't hire new agents. And I uh, submitted three times online to different job postings that Compass had on their website and nobody called, nobody emailed me back. And I decided- Kind of, kind of like a casting call, right? Huh? <laughs> kind of like a casting call. <laughs> kind of like a casting call. I'm like, eh. So what I did was I decided I'm just going to walk in. And I walked in, uh, no appointment. And I talked to the receptionist who was lovely. And I told her, you know, I just got my license. I would love to interview with Compass. And I kind of developed a little rapport with her. She gave my resume to the head of sales. And they called me that afternoon had an interview with them that afternoon. And I met Tony Oakley, who is the head of sales at, on the Upper West Side office. And he is a singer. He's a performer all the way. He's like, you know, he's the one when we do karaoke with the company, which that was one of our outings. He would get up there and sing a whole Sinatra thing. And he was amazing. And well, that's just actually, that's just cheating. You're not supposed to be a good <laughs> singer doing karaoke. That's just wrong. He's in a group. So anyway, but the thing was, like, they hired me. They brought me in. They put me on an amazing team where these brokers have been doing this for 25 years. And I was brand new. And they have been shepherding me along and teaching me what I need to learn. 
And but he took a chance on me. I was a brand new agent. Everyone told me they wouldn't bring me on because they don't bring on new agents. But, you know, I had to go in and I had to kind of you have to just go try to really make it happen. But he liked that I was an actress. I didn't have to hide it. I'm so used to, you know, I, I've interviewed for many other jobs before real estate. And I had to hide that I was an actress or a comedian because they didn't think I would be 100% committed. You wouldn't be serious? Yeah, that I wouldn't be serious, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, any other business, I feel like being an actor has a as a benefit, right? I mean, you're just good on stage, you present well, um, you know, you carry yourself. I mean, it's like it's a, all the things that you learn as an actress. As a matter of fact, all the things that you potentially learn as an executive um, are the things that an actor would learn, um, ex, you know, stage presence, um, extemporaneous speaking, all of those things that are just like now are natural for you are things that most people in the corporate America struggle with, to be quite honest. Yeah, I, I would add on to that, that I, I'm, I'm not surprised at all that you had no problem walking into the Compass office because, hey, I've been on stage in front of 200 people. <laughs> I'm not going to get nervous walking up to the receptions and says, I want, I want a meeting. Honey, you're not going to intimidate me at all, right? Listen, Elise, while we have you, we have to ask if you have one or two funny stories um, from your time running around in real estate, anything you used into your act or anything like that that you can pass on? Oh, yeah, um, definitely. Well, something happened this week that I haven't even put in my act yet, but I just think it was an entertaining story. So I have a listing that I am helping a broker with who left the city during COVID and moved to Florida. He's, I think, down in um, Palm Beach. And um, but he had this business still alive and going in Manhattan. And a lot of it was the Upper West Side. So he asked the head of sales in our office if there was an Upper West Side agent that he knew that maybe could help him with showings. And so Tony recommended me. And so we're trying to sell this $2.6 million co-op up on the Upper West Side. And I've been showing it for a couple of months. Nobody's even made an offer. And so the agent, so then we spent $30,000, not of my money, of course, but the owner spent $30,000 to stage it um, and still no offers. So this past week, uh, the agent said, I'm bringing in a Feng Shui consultant (laughs) (laughs) and you're going to meet with her and you're going to do this whole Feng Shui, you know, uh, ceremony and like do stuff in this apartment and it's going to sell right away. So I had to meet with this woman on Tuesday and I'm just I'm trying to be open minded, of course, but there was a lot of cockamamie stuff going on that she had me you know, participated and like I had to show up with like 27 pennies and three dimes. And I'm like, what you mean? You want me to bring the money that I uh, made during COVID? Uh, (laughs) Here's my commission check now. And like all sorts of stuff that we were doing. She was like burning some kind of like resin from trees that were blessed by monks in there. (laughs) And I was like, I I felt like I was, you know, getting um i could barely breathe from the smoke and it was <laughs> so did you sell the place i mean did oh, it, no. did I mean, we, just, we just finished like our whole feng shui spell on this because i don't know I, I feel like i want to buy it <laughs> <laughs> you can come see it it's a four bedroom three bath so no well first of all i can't afford it but that that's being that being said I would have to say that feng shui is a serious business. I mean, that stuff is like no joke. Um, and if you if you're able to to um, to stage 
both um, physically and spiritually, I guess is the way to go yes. about it. Uh, then you've got yourself a nice, you know, nice, uh, a nice balance. Speaking of ghosts in the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Like, but it was fun. I mean, we'll have to see what happens if like there's some results, but a part of it is even superstitious. There's even superstition. It's like with energy and moving the energy around. And, you know, she said there was a stale energy in the unit. There was an energy from things negative in the past, you know, um, and ghosts. also, right? Was that? Go ghosts. Oh, maybe. I mean, or even like I have this other um, gal who was looking to rent in the city and we're having a hard time finding her a place that she could qualify for because, again, COVID put her back financially and her credit got marred and um, she wasn't getting approved in buildings. And then on top of all that, she's like, by the way, um, you know, could you try to find me a place where the address doesn't add up to a four, eight or nine <laughs> because of Kabbalah. I mean, there's just all sorts of, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'll do my best. Like, what? That, that's, it's, well, you know, that's funny because there, there's, I, I did, that did run into that recently where, where the, the numbers, the, the actual sale price matters, right? And certain cultures, the, if it's an eight at the end, yeah. um, that's good sign versus a one or seven. And so it's, it, there's all kinds of superstitions that allow people to feel comfortable. It's crazy, but I guess, you know, in a way you have to kind of deal with it, especially when you walk in and you're negotiating, or if you're, if you're, if you're trying to buy something and, or if you're trying to sell something, having that point of view and perspective matters. So it sounds like a long view, very holistic view does help. Yeah. I, and people are very particular, you know, um, uh, this other couple too, uh, they'll only live in um, south facing, south or east. They won't do north. And um, yeah, it's like they're even on top of all the other criteria that they want. <laughs> so. so I'll be taking notes on all this. Uh, three <laughs> dimes, not four dimes, four, eight, nine, <laughs> southeast. I mean, I, my head is swimming. I'm, I'm oh, so yeah. stupid. I'm focusing on how many bathrooms and the size of the bedroom. What do I know? Oh, no, there's so much more to it. Yeah, there's so much more. But I, the trick was I told my colleague that I'm like, on top of everything else, I mean, I, it's hard. This girl isn't even financially qualified. And now I can I now have to add up the numbers of the address and make sure it doesn't add up to four, eight or nine. He's like, oh, listen, this is how you get around that. Just put on the zip code at the end. And then <laughs> if it doesn't work, include the zip code numbers. And like, you know, you can there's very creative ways of getting around, you know, kind nice. of the, uh, the shenanigans. <laughs> so, so what's next for you? So you're, so obviously you're, um, you've got this pilot that's in, it's, that's in, that's out there. Um, mm -hmm. And then you, you're in probably one of the hottest real estate markets uh, in recent history. And a best-selling book out, by the way. Oh, yes. Thank you. There yeah. You there you go. And so, so where, where, what's next? Like, what's the road looking like? Well, I'm looking forward to the fall because now that we're starting to have more in-person uh, events, my pilot's going to be at New Jersey Web Fest in September and the Festival of Cinema NYC also in September. And it's nominated for like Best Comedy and I got nominated for Best Actress, which is so huge for me. Like it's just, you know, it just feels so good to be recognized. Congratulations. Tremendous. 
Thank you. And so, you know, it's going to be fun, like to actually go to these festivals because during lockdown, I was in a couple, but they were all virtual. So we were doing just everything virtually. You never really got to connect with people in person. So I'm going to be definitely going to those TV and film festivals in the fall representing my project. Um, I'm also excited about this uh, new platform for stand-up comedy that they booked me to perform for when I went to Florida uh, last month. They flew me down there and I was the only female on the bill and um, it was called Jokey TV and it's a new um, platform for stand-up comedy that is going to be branded and it's, and it's clean comedy. So again, that's not you know, the norm and it's really marketable and it's great uh, for sponsors and all of that. So they're working on that now. So Jokey TV might be <laughs> coming to a TV near you. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, where would you know where that's going to be playing Jokey TV? Is that going to be on cable? Is that where, where, where is that on the internet or what? It's going to be on cable. They're pitching it now. Apparently this guy um, that created the platform, he also created the Billboard Music Awards and did a lot of programming for AOL. And he's come up with this new platform and it was eight comics from all over the country. And I was so honored to be a part of it because I was, again, like the only female comic in it. And we each did a half hour. So, you know, I'm excited to kind of start getting that out there to, you know, get booked for more opportunities um, to do stand up and just keep on going. You know, I like doing commercials like I shot two this summer, one for GE, uh, where I'm playing like a 1950s housewife. <laughs> it's really quirky and fun. And then the Simply Safe commercial. I'm playing Shirley and she's like sitting on the roof of her house in the suburbs doing neighborhood watch with her neighbor, Gary, who's on his roof. And we're having conversation back and forth. And it's, it's really, uh, so real life stuff. And, 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 that, and, yeah. the, and, and then there's your real estate angle. Um, oh, so, okay. right. <laughs> so you've had a very successful and continuing to have a very successful career, um, that, I'm sure is an envy of, of many. And, and um, as there are of a lot me. of people, <laughs> as there are a lot of people that are trying to get into the space, into entertainment, but also young, early um, uh, real estate brokers that want to be successful agents. Uh, what advice would you, would you give your younger self um, so that would perhaps help people that are coming up in the, in the business, both businesses uh, that maybe can, can learn from? Well, you know, I would really have told my younger self to get my real estate license a long time ago. I mean, because I, Ken and Barbie, they need a house. Right. <laughs> Honestly, like when I when I started, I, I, I said to my parents, I should have done this a long time ago. So if you're if you're apprehensive about getting into it or you're um you're put off by, you hear like the test is really hard and a lot of people don't pass the real estate exam. Just go for it if it's something that's calling you because the longer you wait, the longer it's gonna take for you to build because this is a business that takes years and years and years to build uh, as a real estate agent because it's all about relationships and it, you could wait year a year or two even before somebody's actually going to be ready to buy that you're cultivating a relationship with, you know? Um, so I would say that I would say like, don't delay because you're afraid 
Um, and you have nothing to lose, really, because if you try it and you don't like it, so then you don't have to continue doing it. Because um, I, I really love the flexibility of being a real estate agent. I love the freedom that I have to, you know, go to Florida if I have a gig for that or go to Boston like I did to shoot Simply Safe and make my own schedule. So that's um, that's kind of like one of the things that I would have told my younger self that, you know, I, I wish I'd started much earlier. So it sounds like anything else, right? Um, no time like the present have faith in yourself, believe in yourself, bet on yourself, uh, you know, and, and just go for it. It sounds like it's the same, it's the same attitude that has propelled you to be a superstar in the entertainment business that has <laughs> propelled you to, uh, to now be, uh, to be a, an impact, an impactful real estate agent on the Upper West Side. Thank you. No, I mean, I appreciate that. I think nothing comes easy. And, you know, you really have to be tenacious in both um, fields, because neither one of them happen overnight, they might look like they do. Um, but it takes a long time, you know, it takes a long time, you just have to keep um, your faith and you have to stay happy and healthy in other areas of your life as well. Like I'm a firm believer in like, you have to bring fun into your life and you have to have adventure in your life. And you, it can't just all be work or else you're going to get burned out. So keep on trucking on, uh, lights, camera, action, and, um, and you know, it sounds like you're fired up and ready to go. So I want to thank you very much for your time today. And uh, we love your stories about New York, love your stories about real estate, and, and love to hear all the great stuff that you're working on. Looking forward to seeing you on the big screen uh, very soon. Thank you so much. And at least for me, thank you so much for coming on. Looking forward to hopefully seeing you on stage when I get up to New York next, once this uh, this Delta dies down a little bit. And please keep us posted on on when you're going to be performing, uh, whether it's online, whether it's on Jokey, when the pilot is going to uh, play so that we can support as well. So thank you so much. You're so very welcome. This was my pleasure. It was so much fun. Um, you guys are great hosts. And... Yeah, this was like the highlight of my day. So Jamie and Alex, thank you. <laughs> You've been listening to The Real Estate Podcast. Give us a quick review and rating on iTunes. Check out our website at therealestate.co and let us know if there are any new topics you'd like to hear us address. We love hearing your feedback. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.